G'day guys, how's it going? And welcome to this episode of The Goss, where I sit down with my old man Ian Smithson and we talk about a bunch of news and current affairs items related to Australia, as well as just things that come to mind. So today we sort of give you an update about the state of COVID in Australia, COVID-19 and the pandemic. We talk about stage three lockdowns in regional Victoria, as well as the stage four lockdowns in Melbourne. And then we get onto a few other topics as well related to things like desalination in Australia, cotton and crops in Australia. And we also talk about reusable bags from supermarkets like Woolies and Coles. Probably sounds a little bit boring, but it's not too bad, I promise you. Anyway, guys, without any further ado, smack the bird. Let's get into it. Yeah, it's kind of sad, isn't it, with um, businesses in general. I think they generally start out as a single person's dream, their idea, their passion, and they they want the business to go a certain way, that they're very concerned about um, customer quality, I mean, the, the quality for their customers, yeah. customer service, everything like that. But then it gets to a stage, I think there's a sort of watershed moment when you get a certain threshold of employees and the original person who who was trying to carry their dream through ends up becoming either the, the shareholder and just buggers off or the CEO who's a numerous, you know, tens of steps away from the customer. And it it's no longer necessarily about what's best for the customer or customer care, especially, oh, look, exactly. unfortunately, when you have, um, you know, call centers with people, whether they're in the Philippines or India or even America, the United States or Australia, if the company's here, the fact that you mm-hmm. have these low paid people who honestly don't give a shit about- Well, it's not even that. I mean, she was reasonable. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, as in, running, I guess- she's just running the script. And, and the other thing is that being in the call center and particularly when the call center is, she's not an employee of the company. The call center is outsourced. Exactly. exactly. So, she has no authority to make a decision on the spot. Exactly. And- Frankly, I can't be bothered sitting on the line saying, well, can I speak to your supervisor? Because yeah. the supervisor will just be the call centre supervisor. There's no way that I can actually speak to a Vodafone, Vodafone management to whine about it. You should, you should probably give context for people who have, um, well, yeah. we've just started the episode we'd, sort of running. We just started the episode <laughs> in the middle of me belly aching to my one of my mobile phone providers. Uh, who shall remain nameless because I don't want to end up in court. Well, to, you uh, just mentioned them already. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was being facetious. Yeah. Um, please take me to court. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to turn up and... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they charged me a late fee, a $15 late fee, and uh, for the last month's payment. And I wasn't disputing that it was late. We paid it late. We just forgot. Mm. I've been a customer of this company and their predecessors for nearly 20 years and never had a late fee. And she checked that and just said, yes, you're right. You've never had a late fee charged by us, which will be about eight years in that. And they're still and the, the late fee is automatic. As soon yeah. as you, if you don't pay within four days of the due, due date, the late fee goes on automatically. And I understand that. And I addressed that with her. And I just said, yes, I'm not disputing the fact that I paid late. But I'm simply saying, as a customer service, are you telling me that as a valued customer for that period of time, never having paid, you know, never having been late, you're not willing to waive that fee? And she just said, I can't. So I said, all yeah. right, fine. You've just lost a customer. And I made that 
threat or statement to say, well, if you're not going to do this, I will look for an alternative provider. Well, I guess you're not necessarily having um, to go at her, but you want the message. No, it's not her fault. You want the message to go through her up the chain yeah, to be like, yeah. you've just lost a customer because the systems that you currently have in place for the business are yes, subpar yeah. and they're not uh, exactly. what they should be. Yeah, so uh, it is one of those things where you just go and look. I know many other companies. If you rang up and said, like, if you ring your insurance company and say, "I've got a better deal from another insurance company," yeah. they'll immediately drop your fees. Well, there's and a lot of stuff on YouTube customer. about that, right? I think with like Foxtel with bills, there's all these ways of saving yeah. money where you just ring up and say, you know, yeah, and say you're, you're asking me for too much money. I'll, I'm going to pay you less, and I'll say okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, but whereas in this case, it was just you know she was intransigent, and I'm blaming her. She's following a script and. She doesn't have yeah. any authority to make up her mind, so uh, it just—it's just irritating. You know, the reality is that we can get a better service by going to another company anyway. The service for that company down here is crap. Uh, so. <laughs> is that company Telstra? Uh, the new company will be yes, who I'm already a customer of, yeah. and their their service is much better. Uh, both customer service is better. Uh, because you're actually talking to a Telstra employee, even though they outsource, they they do have. And I've queried things before, and they immediately go, "Oh no, sorry, we made a mistake." Mm-hmm. You know, or yes, we'll waive that. But that's why you're paying more, right? Because yeah, Tel- Telstra also the, tends to be the most premium product out yes, there. Yes, but for the phones. technical service is much better as well. The yeah. coverage is better because we live in a black hole for. You know, they coverage. own the infrastructure. That's why, right? They Whereas do. I think a lot of the other companies, I don't know if it's Optus and and Vodafone are the examples of them renting, or is it just yeah, using they, other? And they have a bit of their own in major areas, but yeah. yeah. And look, Vodafone has, I believe, and they had certainly years ago when I signed up, they had this agreement that um, if you're if you're in a non-Vodafone area, they would immediately switch to Telstra or the best service available. Yeah. But if you can get Vodafone, you get Vodafone, even if it's crap. They don't just go, oh, this is a crappy service. We'll bump you up to the better one. So, yeah, but that is yeah, one of those mobile things. phones. I remember going to Rain Island when I was doing that turtle research stuff, and we were doing. I think it took two days to get out there from the main coast, and this is the you know far north Queensland, and the only people who had service out there were yeah. Telstra. And it was funny because I think I had Vodafone at the time, or it would have been Optus or something, and it dropped off within like you know twenty yeah. minutes of being on the drops boat. off at ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Ah, too funny. So, um, we should probably start with what's been happening in Victoria, right? And the state of COVID and lockdowns and everything. Yeah, yeah, there's a few COVID stories that are are sort of worth talking about because for the last month, it's just been boring. Um, Mm. But what happened? We've had a second wave in Victoria, right? Yeah. Which was caused, we we can probably talk about the cause because I don't think we've mentioned that and it was a a funny reason, right? (laughs) uh, Well, yeah, funny funny is one one thing, but yeah, look, the the funny part of it, which is the the sort of the what the fuck, literally, in this case. (laughs) Pun intended. Pun intended, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess for the context of it, right, we had a bunch of people who were being quarantined in hotels and- Yeah, look, initially the hotel quarantine was for people who were in Victoria, but for whatever reason couldn't go home. Yeah. It was for people who were victims of domestic violence um, and had either either were positive to COVID or had the risk of being, uh, you know, contracting COVID. Um, and for people particularly working in essential services like health services who either had COVID and they needed to go somewhere or they, somebody in their family or their close contacts had it and they couldn't be at home. So that service was originally set up um, very early on. And then we had this, uh, obviously, the wave of people being uh, for coming back to Australia 
um, and we forced the 14-day quarantine. And needless to say, the government rightly decided that they couldn't trust um, 20,000 people to all go and self-quarantine at home. Mm -hmm. So they forced them into... Uh, Hotels. Was it that um, many yeah, people? So that, I didn't realise it was 20,000. Not, not all at once, but over a period of months, okay. it's been 20,000 people, Jesus. apparently. Yeah. Um, and that's not just international travellers. That's people coming back from interstate and so on. Anybody who had to be self-quarantined uh, during that initial phase, this wasn't even in the second phase. Obviously, the second phase has potentially been, if not caused by, at least exacerbated by <laughs> this one. Um, and so they stuck them into hotels. And because of the, the larger number of people there, the normal security that the hotels offered and that the police were able to offer in those hotels just simply wasn't possible. So the government in their infinite wisdom, and in fact, it wasn't really the government, even though they're the ones responsible, it was whoever signed off on it decided that they could go and employ private security companies to do yeah. it. And it turned out that a handful of those private security people were being offered sexual favours by residents who were in quarantine so that they could get out and go shopping. <laughs> Not the people getting... Yeah, so the, the security guards were effectively being bribed with sex. Being so that bribed the, with sex. The quarantiners or quarantinees could, yes, could leave yeah, and exactly. go shopping. So all of a sudden, you've got a handful of uh, security guards who are inevitably going to have been, going to have contracted it. I thought you uh, just had to cough in each other's face. I didn't think exactly, sex would transmit yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> um, and you've got a whole bunch of people who do have COVID who are actually out there spreading it around while they're out shopping. Uh, so, yeah, we had then had this big second wave. Now, I suspect that the second wave would have happened anyway because there would have been the sort of undetected community uh, things we got fair bit of rain here. I'm not sure how much you've Yeah, I just heard that in the background. Well, we've yeah. seen that just, just as of today, right? Maybe today or yesterday that New Zealand's had a second wave and they've been New close Zealand to have now the, got 36 uh, active cases yeah. having gone for 100 days without a case. And they, their and borders are completely shut, right? There's yeah, no... Yeah, they had one person come back, come in with it, they yeah. believe, Yeah. Uh, because they're not shut to New Zealand citizens. Mm -hmm. uh, they're shut to anybody else going to New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, 36, I think, active cases now. Um, when the, For 100 days, they didn't have any new ones. They obviously had the ones that they knew about and were getting over from the previous phase. But So, what did yeah, you, so, what, uh, what did you make, though, of Dan Andrews's, um reaction to this second wave? Because, I mean, he's received quite a bit of criticism of not acting tough enough straight away, but at the same time... We have he's a lot received of an equal win. amount of criticism for the action he has taken. Exactly. So th this is the, we're going to shoot you in the foot, you choose. Was <laughs> it the catch-22 or the, the fucked if you do, fucked if you don't? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's the game I hate watching on TV, right? Because even if Dan, Dan Andrews has been doing, you know, a suboptimal job with hindsight, you know, being 2020 and us able to look back a month or two ago and say, oh, you should have done this and this and this. The guy's been working his ass off. I don't think he's had a day off, I don't right? I think he's had any sleep in this six year. months. Yeah. No, because it started off with the, with the year started off in Victoria anyway, started off with bushfires in December and January. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, and then February COVID hit. So, you know, he hasn't had a day off including weekends in that time. He's been doing daily press conferences for six months, yeah. uh, seven months now. And um, so the, the numbers have gone up. They went up to, I think, a peak of something like 750 50, in a day, and new that, cases in a day. For a lot yeah. of people listening in other countries, that probably won't seem like very much. Sound, but, but when you came from none... 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well, it wasn't and, and none to seven hundred, but it, it went yeah, pretty quickly it, yeah, within a few a, weeks. Over a month, it went from sort of none or at least single digit yeah. you know, figures to uh, to seven hundred. But we're back down to what was today um, two hundred and eighty or something like that. Yeah, two seventy eight. Yeah, I've got it open here. Yeah. Um, and now, of course, it's not just the number of new infections, but it's that delayed response to uh, to that is the number of deaths we're getting. Yeah. Um, so, so the cases are dropping, but the deaths are increasing. Yeah, I didn't see. We had um, eight deaths, I think, um, today or in the last 24 hours, which is less than in the past. But any you know, one person dying is too many. Well, uh, a big issue most there of those was... are from um, elderly people who have come from aged care centres. Because it got into the aged care centres. It centers. got into aged, you know, four or five major aged care centres and um, just yeah, runs rampant, of course, you know, as soon as you get into that environment. Um, and it's opened up a whole lot of questions about the management of aged care as well. Um, they must be, um, like, I would love to be a fly on the wall with the CEOs of some of those companies at the moment, because whilst they're probably panicking in terms of what it looks like for their companies externally and like, oh, this is bad press. Yeah. At the same time, they're having a wildfire go through and get rid of all these, um, well, free up a lot of space for new people to buy their way in. <laughs> Right, because the thing with aged care in Australia is that you pay a certain amount of money, but you don't get to keep anything after the person. Buy you basically, but but only whilst you're alive, right? And the money stays with the company. No, they sell it back, um, but they sell it back at a price that they want to. It's yeah, just, exactly. it's 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 one of the great government sponsored <laughs> commercial rorts of all time. So, yeah. You pay us half a million dollars to live in this room, and then when you die or choose to leave, we'll yeah you know, we'll buy it back from you at a price that we determine. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's only worth twenty grand, <laughs> <laughs> and then they resell it again straight exactly. away. So. I know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we've been living with that, and I guess um, so. A few months ago, maybe two months ago, Dan Andrews was bringing in pretty strict or stricter uh, lockdown measures for just Melbourne, but then. Um, the cases started getting into regional Victoria. And so we've mm-hmm. had stage four lockdown in Melbourne. It was stage three and then went to four. And now regional yeah. Victoria is stage three, isn't it? Three. Where we are. And so yeah, what- we're on we're on 3.1, really. We've sort of bumped it up a little bit from three. Um, it's a bit of overkill, I feel. But at the same time, it's probably going to do the job. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. And it's a bit of overkill. But the trouble is you can't underkill it because, you know, and this is something that you know, we talked about when the restrictions went off after phase one. Um, and that is when they put a reg- when the government puts in a regulation, which is actually law at the time that says, you know, you can't go out of your house except for these four reasons. Um, most people do the right thing. As soon as they remove that and they say, we suggest that you don't go out of your house. Yeah other than for these four reasons, people go, woo, we don't care what you suggest. Um, and then trying to bring it back in again is much harder. I think they should have left it on in the first place. Yeah. I don't think it was a matter of going hard in the second phase. I think the second phase was yeah, partly caused by idiots, and most of this is caused by idiots. But, um, but it was that general public lessening of the severity of the, of the virus in people's minds. We never got over it. All we yeah. did was avoid it. In phase one, we just avoided it by saying, well, don't go out, don't get infected. It wasn't that the virus wasn't there. It was still in a large number of people. Um, and, yeah, all of a sudden you had most people just going, even sensible people going, oh, we don't need to worry about this anymore. Well, and I even found myself thinking at times, you know, I leave the house and I'm thinking, why do I need to have a mask? I don't have COVID. And then yeah. I catch myself saying to myself, how do you know? Yeah, How do exactly. you know you don't That's have the it? thing is that... <laughs> 
<laughs> nobody knows whether they have COVID virus or not. Because exactly, for the first week or so. Takes, no, well, nobody knows yeah. because it takes 48 hours to be detected. Mm. So, yeah, even if you get a test now, if we went out and got a test now and the test comes back negative in two days, that doesn't mean that in two days' time mm-hmm. I'm not neg- I'm, I don't have it because I could have contracted it in the last two days. So, yeah, it's this, it's this, you, you're constantly circling around uh, people's lack of trust in data yeah. and lack of understanding of basic medical epidemiology. Um, and you combine that with inconvenience. And, yeah, if somebody's, I hesitate to say ignorant, but naive about the way these things operate, um, but is also inconvenienced by the, the, actions that have been taken by governments and health boards and so on to try and prevent it, then what are they going to do? They're going to say, I don't believe you, so I'll do what I like. (laughs) Well, and that's the issue with what's going on in America, right? Because they kind of, ironically, their system, the way that it's set up to sort of put freedoms and individual responsibilities has kind of, uh, you know, come back to haunt them because... One, I think the states kind of have a lot more control and they're the ones who decide what happens and and what doesn't happen with lockdowns or masks or anything like that. And then I think, secondly, they kind of implemented it too too little too late and kind of half-assed it, right, so that the average person was sort of somewhat fatigued with the yeah. idea of being forced to wear masks or having lockdown. So and then they when took it them off very hit, quickly. Yeah, and then yeah. when it did hit, people are like, yeah. well, I'm not doing it now. And so, it became yeah. even worse than if they had just gone hard and fast at the at the yeah. beginning, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. So. I, I wanted to ask you what you thought of the event with the, I think they were Queenslanders, right? Those young girls who, mm. I think, so, to give full context, they, I believe they were of African, obviously of African descent, potentially immigrants themselves, but have probably been here a long time in Australia. And they had been to Melbourne, made their way back to Queensland when the borders were closed because yeah. they, they ended up lying about where they'd been, the fact that they'd yes, been they're in entitled, as Queensland residents, they're entitled to go back to Queensland, but they lied about being in Victoria. So, that they didn't have to go into quarantine. Exactly. And they did. And they went out partying. Yeah. So, they, the three of them, I think, ended up going to all of these different restaurants and cafes. And, you know, in and of itself, that was bad enough. But the thing that got me was the fact that they actually destroyed their phones and did all this. So, they couldn't be traced. Yeah. yeah. So, that the police yeah. couldn't see where they'd been or anything yeah. like oh, that. Oh, they knew. They knew. And but, so, was- I, was, I was watching the, uh, I think it was a current affair had a thing that popped up in YouTube and I was like, all right, I'll watch this. And then I saw um, Media Watch's breakdown of it. And A Current Affairs was interesting. I mean, A Current Affairs is a current affair, right? So, they're kind of- I don't know how you would describe them. They're kind of sensationalist, um, you know, well, witch yeah, hunters it's- in Australia. Sometimes the stories are good, but quite often they're just like, this guy didn't pay his bills for three months, yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. and we're going to make it a feature story and shame him nation- nationally, you know, across yeah, the entire nation. Yeah, exactly. But so, yeah. they, they went after these two girls because it was obviously a story- that people were going to rage up about. And the thing that I found interesting was that when they interviewed his the girl's brother on the phone, he, like, went nuts abusing them and just being like, if they weren't African, you wouldn't do anything, you effing idiot, like, blah, blah, blah. It's all about yeah. race. It's all about race. And, you know, it's not their fault and you're racist. Yeah, that, that becomes really irritating when people pull a race card, whereas the actual reason is the idiot card. Well, and that's what <laughs> I, I, to wanted to, I wanted to bring you up. You don't get a free pass because you're a minority 
on being an idiot. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, and that was the thing that annoyed me because it feels like you're weaponizing the, the you know, minority card in order to get out of jail oh, free. Yeah. Well, of course, they are. it's a commonly done thing. And yes. the weird thing, though, was that Media Watch was kind of bringing it up because I think the girls, the thing that was somewhat unfair from, from my perspective was that they not only named and shamed them, um, you know, outright, but also put their photos, like, on the front covers of all these different newspapers. Yeah. I don't know how much the, you know, different, different quote-unquote, race had to do with doing that. Mm. But Media Watch was saying, you know, oh, it was somewhat, you know, racially motivated in that it, they, they knew the story would sell more because these people oh, have a different that, race. that is possible. Uh, I think the other thing, too, though, is that, you know, these girls were over 18 years of age. And so, there's nothing illegal about a media thing yeah. putting photographs up of them to well, report they have done them. it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To report on the fact that they had been charged with a crime. Yeah. You know, for better or for worse, um, and I actually, I think it's unreasonable that we do that in Australia, that, you know, somebody is charged with a crime mm. and media outlets are allowed to put their images up on, and report on it um, and name them uh, before they've actually been found guilty. Yeah. Now, there's no question that these girls were guilty. I don't think they're going to go to court and say, we didn't do it. Uh, but it's that's not the point. The yeah. point is, yeah, we presume innocence, and yet we're allowed to effectively try, try, pe try people by media uh, within the law. So, Unless they're George Pell. Yeah. <laughs> Where they close down the media and they don't allow anyone to talk about it. Anyway, so but the, the thing that sort of got me was the fact that everyone seemed to jump on the bandwagon of this being a racial thing and forget the fact that we have been doing exactly the same thing with a bunch of other quote-unquote white Australian um, yeah. women recently, like those Car the Karen thing that's come up with these oh, women not yeah. wearing masks and going to Bunnings yeah. and then it's my right to not wear a mask and they film themselves, put it online about how good they are, not wearing, you know, yeah. flaunting the their... Um, refusal, yeah, to do to um, adhere to the rules, and then they get publicly shamed and everything. And also, there was that woman who was trying to get, I think, from Victoria to New South Wales, right? And she lied and then videotaped herself, video and, and then put it up on social media, going, "Hey, I got through," yeah, yeah. and then got fined, <laughs> got messed up, and that was all over the news, right? They were just like, yeah. you know, massive uh, yeah, sort and of that was come up and. I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem with uh, media reporting on things when it has been self-reported. If somebody goes on there and on social media and films themselves doing something wrong and then boasts about it, then you know, you've provided your own evidence. <laughs> you suck it up. Yeah, I know it's hard to feel sorry for those people. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. Did you? It was weird though that they were calling in the in in social media for the young African girls, well, girls of African descent who went to Queensland to get jail time, you know, already, and everyone was, like, already yeah. weighing in on it. I don't know, again, how much that was to do with race, but the fact that they had manipulated yeah. things and put the state at risk because yeah, Queensland had had none. But, and, again, that's just trial yeah, by media. And, exactly. And, it's, and the reality is that it's sensationalism. You yeah. Know, it's... Why do we need to know? Why do we need to see these girls' photographs? Why do we need to know their names? They have been arrested. That's all they need to be reported on is that, you know, two or three people did this. They've been arrested. And, in fact, you question, well, do they even need to report on that? Um, you know, we get this sort of media nationalism and the story got far more legs than it actually deserved um, because they were you know, attractive young women doing the wrong thing. And yeah. two 50-year-old white men, nobody would have even taken any notice. 
It is but weird, right? That's not a race thing. Yeah. It's, well, it's an interesting. It's just, yeah. This is more interesting because it's cute young women. <laughs> it, yeah. The media, you wonder where it's going to go in the future because at the moment they seem to only have those sorts of extremes that is propping them up, right? They have to... They have to find st- ways of making stories as outlandish as possible and either getting outrage or surprise or shock out of their audience in order to get clicks and views. And exactly. you wonder how sustainable that is in the long term. No, no. Well, I don't think it is. And that's that's the challenge because people just get bored of it. Uh, and where a lot of that um, is designed for television. Uh, radio stories are very hard to sensationalise because you can't do anything visual. Uh, yeah. Newspaper, yes, you can have a photograph, but mostly it's about the quality of the reporting and you know the wording that they put around it. Whereas television, it's all about flashing images up on screen and you know telling sensational stories around it. It just becomes tedious. Um, well, there I was there was one of those that was shown recently about. I think I'm not sure if it was a current affair or one of these other shows where they were shown to be using um, stock footage from the outbreak in Italy. And saying that it was Melbourne, yeah. <laughs> as the hospitals were under so much yeah. stress, and and yeah. when it was broken well, down it, by Media Watch, they were like, well, "What are you, what are you and doing?" <laughs> and that's the problem with television. It's almost like we have to have an image on. You, know, you can't have back in back in my day when I was a youngster. <laughs> television news was ninety percent looking at a talking head. Yeah, you know, it was the yeah. newsreader who was just reading the news to you, and then every now and then they had yeah you know, a bit of footage to go with it or they might have had a photograph of the event or the person they were talking about or that they'd have as a little you know inset on the screen uh, but now it's just like we'll have the the person you know the newsreader talking over something or yeah. a reporter in the field that's the other thing that drives me nuts you know we've got a you know, an AFL footballer has been you know, found drink driving and so we send a reporter out to stand in front of afl house in melbourne <laughs> and tell the story i don't give a shit where he is why can't we just have this person in the studio i it's guess it pointless. lends does it lend more credence to the person and their like reporting standing in front of a building in melbourne rather rather than it's be different if he was in interviewing somebody in afl house well it seems like they're closer to the story i would imagine yeah, i know the, i know but it's sort of how dumb do you think people are you know we're sitting there watching this we know that he's just reading the news. Mm. <laughs> it's, we don't need him standing out there. So, yeah, it just drives me nuts. Uh, look, I I think we are going to get to a point where, and look, there was discussion of it, ironically, on commercial news the other night, where they were basically saying themselves that most commercial TV stations now can't afford to run the news um, because they're just not getting enough advertising through television at all. Yeah. And the news is one of those things where people will watch the news, and that, so that's a high-rating show. And once that starts to drop off... That was the first half of this episode of The Goss. If you would like to continue watching or continue listening to this episode, make sure that you sign up for the premium podcast or academy memberships at aussieenglish.com.au where you will get full access to these entire episodes of this series and much, much more. You can go check that out using the links below or just go to aussieenglish.com.au. Once again, thank you so much for joining me, mate, and I will see you next time. Peace.